First Timothy chapter 1, verses 8 through 11, these are God's words. But we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully, knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous person, but for the lawless and insubordinate, for the ungodly and for sinners, for the unholy and profane, for murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers, for manslayers, for fornicators, for sodomites, for kidnappers, for liars, for perjurers, and if there is any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine, according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust. So far the reading of God's inspired and inerrant word. You remember in the previous passage he talked about those who uh, wanted to be teachers in the church, uh, wanted to be teachers of the law, uh, but they didn't understand the law. And one of the things that these particular ones did was uh, they would endlessly read genealogies and make points out of the genealogies uh, instead of making uh, their points out of the the more primary and more easily understood passages that help us understand the rest of them. And so he comes back uh, now in verse 8 and he says, Now if somebody is teaching you from the law... Uh, if someone is using the scripture, that's not a bad thing. The scriptures are actually good. The law is actually good if someone uses it lawfully. Uh, there are many Christians uh, who I have run into who do not like to be instructed out of the scripture. They think the whole point of the scripture is to get you to have nice feelings about Jesus. And once you've got those nice feelings in place, uh, that you really don't need a whole lot more Bible Unless you feel bad about something, then you go to the Bible and you uh, hunt yourself up a verse that seems to say something that can make you feel better about whatever it is you feel bad about. Uh, I wish that I was exaggerating, uh, but this is the way that some use the scripture. Uh, and then if you use the scripture, especially if you use the law of God, God's commandments as condemning sin, defining sin and condemning it, uh, then people who think that way or use the Bible that way, uh, they will call you a legalist or a lawist. Um, however, uh, the law is good if one uses it lawfully. In other words, people are not, you know, people need to use the scripture the right way. First then, there is the law's good use. Uh, one of the main good uses of the law is to remind us that we are bad and God is good. This is one of the uh, basic messages of the whole Bible. You remember in Romans 2, verses 17 through 24, not too long ago in the midweek sermons, we heard that if your use of the Bible is to have, uh, results in you having confidence in yourself that you are better than others, then you're not using the Bible very well. Because... He, he said, you who teach the law, do you not teach yourself? And then he, uh, with a bunch of different sins, he said, you who condemn uh, such and such sin, and then he would ask a question um, related to that sin, uh, exposing that we all have the remaining sin in our hearts, um, that if not in the same intensity of expression, uh, is still of the same kind or of the same nature as the sin that we condemn in others. Uh, and so he does something similar here. 
he says, the law is not made for a righteous person. In other words, if we didn't have remaining sin, the law of God would be written on our hearts and we would be following it perfectly. Uh, the reason we need um, the law of God uh, is because even with our new natures, uh, we do not, uh, we are not perfectly inclined to or perfectly follow the law of God. And so the fact that God still uh, wants us to use it is a reminder that we are in this list, lawless and insubordinate. Uh, and that's something that if we're being honest about ourselves, we're going to say is true from our own hearts. Every time I sin, I feel that my heart is lawless and insubordinate, that I'm not godly like I wish to be, but ungodly, that I do not do the good that I want, but the sin that I hate, that I'm a sinner, that I'm not acting like someone who has been set apart to God and called a saint, but unholy and profane. And so he starts us out with these descriptions of what we are as far as our remaining sin is concerned. When he says not made for a righteous person, he's not talking about not made for a person who's been counted righteous in Christ. He's talking about not made for a person who has been conformed uh, to the image of Christ. Not yet conformed, not yet completely conformed. And so we are. And if we're using the Bible, we say this about our remaining sin. Lawless, insubordinate, ungodly sinners, unholy, profane. And he lists some things that we should be horrified at. And I think even in our current culture and current church culture, some of them are things that, that we would be horrified at. But other ones are things, are sins that we have declined so much and we're in such an antinomian, which is against the law of God, age in, uh, in the church even. Some of these things there are people who call themselves Christians and don't think they're a big deal. Murderers of fathers, murderers of mothers, manslayers. I think uh, most people think those are still a big deal. Uh, fornicators, or you know, those who have the marriage bed before marriage or without marriage, uh, and sodomites, uh, those who give up the the natural use for the woman and the man, uh, and uh, do that which is not just against the law but even against nature. Uh, those uh, those are approved of in much of the churches. Uh, for kidnappers, for liars, the vast majority think it not that big a deal if they tell a lie. For perjurers, and then this wonderful blanket one, and if there is any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine. So whatever the sin is at the time in Ephesus that is being excused, Paul says it belongs in the same list as these other horrible things. Whatever our sins are, hostility, bitterness, dishonoring to parents, resentful uh, about other people, mistrusting God, lack of contentment, covetousness, uh, all, of these, uh, all of these sins. Uh, we don't realize how wretched they are until we, realize, until we hear something like, these, those sins belong in the same list as these other ones here in 1 Timothy 1, verses 9 and 10. Uh, and these are the ones that show us that, uh, indeed, uh, we still need uh, to be corrected by the law of God. So, it's a good law. The law is good. If you use it lawfully, it has to be used the good way. 
and it has good benefit. Sin is opposed to sound doctrine. That's what we just heard at the end of verse 10, which means sound doctrine is opposed to sin. And so good use or a good benefit uh, from sound doctrine uh, is that uh, good teaching, doctrine just means teaching, sound doctrine tells us that uh, Jesus has uh, paid for our sin and that Jesus delivers us from the power of sin. So he delivers us from sin's power uh, and he delivers us from sin's penalty. Sin is contrary to sound doctrine according to the glorious gospel. And so there's this glorious gospel that said, although the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all unrighteousness and ungodliness of men, the righteousness of God for sinners is revealed in the gospel, which is the power of God for salvation. And then he goes on to describe to us in the rest of the book of Romans how the glorious gospel tells us that although sin's penalty is against us, Jesus has taken the penalty upon himself. And although sin's power is over us, that when Jesus brings you to faith in himself, he delivers you from sin's power, you're no longer its slave. Sin is no longer your master. It is your enemy, and it is a fierce enemy, but God is your master. And Christ is your life, and you will win this battle against sin. And so the scripture has this good benefit that the Lord uses it to bring us to faith in Jesus. He uses it to sanctify us. He uses it to preserve us until the completion of our salvation. And so faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And the Lord Jesus prays, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. And the apostle reminds uh, Timothy that the... uh, Uh, The word of God is able to save his soul. No, James chapter 1 says the implanted word uh, is able to save our soul. The apostle tells Timothy that the the scriptures are able to make him wise for salvation. Uh, And so it has all these benefits according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God. And that's a big reason why Timothy has been left behind in Ephesus to Uh, bring order back to the church in Ephesus so that they have right teaching that produces right living. Because that is the Lord Jesus' way of making and molding Christians, uh, is by uh, Christ's called men teaching Christ's true word in Christ's way uh, by which Christ produces in believers his own uh, his own true love, that love from a pure heart, from a good conscience, from a sincere faith that we had heard about in verse 5. Uh, so it's a good law, uh, and it is to be used the right way. It's good use, and it uh, produces these good benefits, although, uh, or maybe we could better say God uses it to produce these good benefits because he is the good God. You see that at the end of verse 11. According to the glorious gospel of the blessed God. Uh, the glorious gospel that was committed to my trust. And so, even if we didn't understand that the law is good and saying that God is good and we are bad, or that the law had a good use um, that produced good benefits, uh, we should still know that the law is good because it's the law of God, and he is good. And if I don't think it's good, or if I find it rubbing me the wrong way, there's something wrong with me. 
because it's God's law, and he is the blessed God. And so uh, we rejoice to have uh, the good law of the good God. Uh, in it, we hear about the glorious gospel, and we know him to be the blessed God. It is, uh, it's God who entrusted Paul to be an, uh, an agent of his, to be used by him uh, in the churches. Paul says the glorious gospel which was committed to my trust, and now he's handing it off to Timothy, but it's not Paul who's entrusting Timothy with the gospel. It's God, uh, the, the blessed God who committed uh, into Timothy, is now committing into Timothy's trust, the glorious gospel. And it's the same blessed God and the same glorious gospel that is being committed to you, being taught to you so that you would come to faith in Jesus and walk by faith in Jesus, and which you are... Uh, to have on your mind and in your heart so that it forms how you talk to others. This is one of the things we learn from in Ephesians 4, that the pastor teachers are given so that we all may speak the truth to one another in love as trained and taught by the pastor teachers who Christ gives us. And then, of course, we hope uh, that one day, not too many years from now, that you will be fathers and mothers uh, teaching your own children that glorious gospel of the blessed God that was committed to your trust. And so you get to be an agent of the blessed God, uh, instrument of the blessed God. So why was it that Paul was uh, so insistent um, that Timothy not let bad people teach the good scripture badly, resulting in bad lives? Uh, in part because the good God has called his own particular people to teach his good word in a good way, to do his people good through the glorious gospel. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we pray that you would bless to us your word, that you would help us to know your goodness and to know our remaining sin and to use your good word uh, for exposing uh, our remaining sin and fighting against it. Pray that your spirit uh, would attend your word with power whenever we encounter it, uh, so that we might grow in faith in Jesus Christ. In his name we ask it. Amen.